listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special What the Dev podcast. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about the Automated Software Testing and Quality Summit, ASTQ Summit, Uh, being sponsored next week by Parasoft, a leading provider of testing tools for the software industry. With me today is their technical evangelist. He's uh, Arthur Hicken, and he's going to kind of dive into the event a little bit, tell us uh, what the focus is, and and kind of uh, more about Parasoft's view of how they see testing in today's world. So um, take it away, Arthur. Let's hear about uh, ASTQ Summit. Sure. Yeah, the the Automated Software Testing and Quality Summit is a thing we've been doing since lockdown started, trying to find a way for us to reach our customers and users and for them to reach each other. And we've worked really hard to make sure that most of the sessions are coming from the practitioner community. So people are telling you how they solved their real problems and what, you know, what metrics they used to solve the problems, what the main challenge was, what kind of results they saw, you know, what pitfalls they've hit. So we're really trying to, we we hope that somebody will come and attend and recognize their problem, even though it might be that they're in healthcare and the, the presenters in finance or automotive, but that they'll go, oh, I had a problem like that, and listen and be able to go, oh, here's an approach I can take to go and solve that problem. So we've leaned heavily on, you know, very specific problems and encourage people who are speaking to present some kind of a KPI, right? Whether sometimes they have to be a little vague because of their organization, but just something about, hey, we were able to, you know, cut in half the amount of time we spent testing or we we hit our delivery goals 80% of the time versus you know 40% before we reduce field reported issues by 90% but i i always ask people like how do you know you wouldn't spend a bunch of money a bunch of training a bunch of time this is always the question automation was it worth it how do you know like the obviously the people that are speaking believe it was worth it or they wouldn't take my phone call right so that's always my question how do you know it was worth it what did you do to measure i don't believe there's a universal quality measure or roi measure i believe there are lots of fascinating different things that you can look at that might be interesting for you so so i would say look for that um one of the key things that we're going to be talking about will be of course ai and this won't be high level where's chat gpt going this won't be the skynet talk which would be fun uh, I, I i do have a video on my youtube about my car trying to kill me and it's it's pretty funny and <laughs> and i have a video about cars versus horses in terms of intelligence right that the mustang might be smarter than the mustang <laughs> right um but you know, real practical uses of AI. And I it, people have told me recently, you know, the AI testing pyramid is kind of long in the tooth. And I I have to agree. On the other hand, it's still useful, helpful advice. 
And so we have different AI augmentations at every aspect of the testing pyramid, whether it's static analysis, unit test, uh, you know, API testing, functional testing, performance testing, UX testing, and, and talk about how these different things will help you in your day-to-day -day job. And, and I'd have to say that, you know, the things that we're looking at aren't, I don't think they're job killers. <laughs> I think they're just ways to help you. I haven't met any, you know, software engineer that says, I don't have enough to do, right? Like I've got to pad my work with, with yeah. something. I, I think just being able to get their job done will make their life better. So I, I think that's interesting. I'm going to talk about the synergistic effect of service virtualization and AI. Okay. What we see with today's AI, this you know, especially generative AI, is that they're really smart. But the the more clearly you can draw the boundaries, the more narrow you can define the thing. If you can scope it down, the AI just does a better job. And this is true of testing in general, right? And and so service virtualization helps you decouple from real real world things that you. You can't really control or can't afford to play with. You can't afford to test. Most people don't have a spare mainframe. Um, some people interact with real-world objects, like fax machines. I know those still exist, right? And, and Wow, good for you. Good for you. So um, we see that like in the healthcare space, right, where like faxes are part of a normal workflow. And so testing becomes very, very difficult. And being able to step back and unplug from the physical fax machine for the testing phase is great. And on top of that, as we use AI to start to increase the amount of testing we're doing, the permutations, we run into a data problem. We just don't have enough real data. So it starts synthesizing data, and this is virtual data. So, so the service virtualization is a way to synthesize data to get broader coverage. And because of that, there's always a temptation to use real-world data as your starting point. But in many jurisdictions, real-world data is a pretty big no-no, right? Yeah. GDPR doesn't allow it. And honestly, if you're a reasonable-sized company these days, you're probably subject to it, right? But let me ask you. Uh, I guess most of the people who attend the summit are new to automation, uh, just kind of dipping a toe in the water, or is it? It's or... it's all over the place, right? All over the place. Sometimes people are coming; they're new to automation. Sometimes they might be familiar, like maybe they're using Selenic or something, or Selenium for UX automation, and now it's like, how do we get to API? Sometimes they're they're, you know, doing service virtualization because they're decoupling from something. And like now it's how do I get back to API testing or the I think one of the great things that we talk about is the the reuse, right? We might call it collaboration as well, but but taking some traffic, converting it to something that is a UI test and an API test and a load test and a performance test and a security test, right? And and allowing testers to expand without having to do more work, getting more out of the exact resources you have. You know, in the, in the worst case scenario, you've got, you know, developers doing some form of load testing, right? And then you've got testers creating new tests and then you've got a, 
acceptance test team doing a, a third set, you know, load and performance team doing a third set of things. And and the question, of course, is how do I make this realistic? How do I make it normal? So I, I think that that kind of reuse is interesting to people and learning how the tools are synergistic. Like if you if you're constantly having API security problems, there are static analysis rules that correlate to that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, you know, like sometimes people look at the Parasoft platform and they go, well, there's all this old quality stuff, you know, static analysis, unit test, things like that. And then there's this functional stuff like API testing and they don't belong together, but they absolutely, you know, belong together. The things that you do for API testing help drive unit testing and even flow analysis for static analysis. And the, and the problems that you discover during later testing can be often detected earlier with static analysis or can be detected, uh, prevented by implementing different kinds of engineering strategies. So, you know, if you're trying to shift left, if you're trying to test earlier, there's a bunch of things that you have to do. Um, shift, shift left testing or digital transformation or cloud transformation or cloud first or whatever we want to call the latest, you know, DevOps all work best if you if you can automate more and if you can automate and isolate pieces so they can run earlier and if you can detect things earlier right things are cheaper if you find them earlier but uh sometimes early is a challenge and that's where again these things like service virtualization let you i mean i can test something where the api doesn't exist yet right and I could just simulate pieces of it. So, so all those kinds of things are the kinds of problems our customers are solving, right? And and you know, it's banks, it's healthcare, it's uh, it's the holy trinity of planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> I I don't know if you heard this one, Dave, and maybe you use this, maybe you don't. But it's fascinating to me when software has a a very strong real world impact, right? And there was an incident probably about six weeks ago where one of the airlines, and I don't want to pick on anybody, but, you know, you can look it up. One of the airlines had a tail strike event at an airport, meaning as they took off, the tail hit the runway. And this is bad. Pieces of the plane shouldn't touch the runway if there aren't wheels. And it requires, like, going around and landing immediately. So it's it's a huge clog in, in the system and waste of resources. And it happened again within 20 minutes. Now, tail strikes aren't common. Two in 20 minutes in the same aircraft in the same airline is a problem. And it turned out that this is an airline that is data-driven, high efficiency. They're managing their loadout. They're managing their fuel load so that it precisely matches enough. Like, there's a safety margin, but... Fuel is heavy, right? So we're carrying what we need for the expected conditions. And it and then their takeoff and how much fuel they use on takeoff is based on the load, fuel needs, and efficiency needs. And it turned out that the load software coming from a third party from somewhere in Europe was not operating properly. And so they were the pilots were getting false data for the takeoff. Right. And it's just there there was a a thing in uh in Europe where there was a tunnel 
closed for over an hour, like causing traffic jams because the safety barriers triggered. They thought that there was a problem. There was no problem. This is interesting because normally that would be considered, quote unquote, mission critical software that they would test and test and test and test before they would turn it out into the wild. And and obviously that didn't happen here. Yeah, there's there's always that question, right? You always want to know. And then there's always the increasing complexity of modern cloud first applications that have so many third party components that we don't necessarily test fully and and i mean imagine you know using a, a payment processor and you know charging a million dollars and negative million dollars and all the things that you have to do and and outages and and how does it ha- behave under attack i did a look up the other day of big software outages of 2022 just for fun and i did it through one of these chat GPT things and everything it brought back as top issues were security issues. Right. And, and I had to go back and say, can you give me something that wasn't security? Like it was like, like, yes, security is important. You need to fix it. But, but the underlying problems were still seeing, you know, bank outages and, and system failures and things like that. And, and yes, it is more important. Systems have to be up 24 seven. They're accessed all around the world. And the, the bottleneck is horrific, right? So, yeah, and it and it as much as we like to think that planes, trains, and automobiles are the real world, you probably think of your bank account as the real world <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that, to me, that's most mission critical. Yeah. yeah, so it's fascinating. It's some fascinating stuff. Absolutely good. All right, thanks, Arthur. And thank you to all of our attendees who uh, we appreciate your uh, spending a few minutes with us uh, on these podcasts. So until next time, I'm Dave Rubenstein, editor in chief of SD Times. So long for now. <laughs>